Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Warrior Within. And today I actually kind of decided that I wanted to talk about how much God loves us. Like as men, sometimes we grow up not really feeling the love that we wanted from our dads. And in many, many cases that correlates into how we love our wife and even how it correlates in how we love our kids. But I wanted to kind of talk about how much God loved us because he did not want us to go to hell for one and two he wants that relationship that that he longs from us and it's it's our choice to give it to him now we all know that what john 3:16 states but i wanted to go a little bit further i'm starting in john 3:16 but we're going to go all the way to verse 21 it states for god loved this world excuse me for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned. Because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Now, a lot of times we only focus on verse 16. That's usually when you're a kid, you memorize it. All, a lot of people grow up and they still know that even if they have not been in church, it's usually the verse that stands out. And usually it's in the KJV when they learned it. I'm actually using today the CSB, which is why I messed up, because it's a little different in that beginning of verse 16. But the idea is that he sent his son for us, all of us. That means all sin from past to be to, to now in our future was all put on Christ in that moment when he was on the cross. God understood, and, and if you were to take the scriptures as a whole, looking through the context of all the different stories to what God was trying to teach us, the idea of what Christ did has always been a part of the plan, especially when you look at how Adam and Eve, after they sinned, what did God do after he called out to them? They did answer. They confessed what they did wrong, but they did not repent of it. And so he had to kill animals and make skins for them so that they would not be naked anymore. You see, the idea is that right there in that moment, there, the whole idea that there would have to be a sacrifice for our sins was already established in that moment. And if we keep going throughout the scriptures, we could see it over and over again. Like if another good example is Noah's Ark. The idea that the Ark was created by God to save Noah and his family, right? And then the animals, right? So we take that imagery, we understand what that means. Because it's supposed to be the picture 
of who Christ is. He saves us from the sin, which is the punishment, which will happen to the world, which was the great flood, right? Now we got to look at that picture and understand that that's the image of what Christ did when he came. He came and was the, basically a, the perfect design. Remember, God gave Noah the perfect design for this ark for all the people that were going to have to be in there, plus the animals. And I'm sure for the supplies and you know so forth, right? So the imagery we see once again is a savior or some type of saving device. And then we have, I'm sure if we were to nitpick all through all the stories, we could find different points where God puts someone in position like Esther specifically in the purpose to save his people. It's, it's, it's an ongoing imagery that our sin nature without God is going to separate us and death is always the answer. And then we get all the way to where Jesus comes. You know, most of the Jews in that time were hoping for <clears throat> some warrior hero to come in and save them. But the reality is he was there to save everyone, the world, from the sin that separates us from God. You see, the idea of these verses when you read them is that we rather, we rather be in darkness so that we can do evil things. That is our nature. And ultimately, if you don't know Christ, you're going to hate the light. You're not going to like God. You're not going to like what Jesus has said. You're not going to like the idea that sin is wrong. Because we live in a culture where it's so hugely focused on as long as I don't hurt anybody, then it shouldn't be considered wrong. As long as we both consent, it should not be wrong. We People mock the idea of sin. We, we soften it. We make the blow of sin feel like it's getting hit by a balloon and then it loses its fizzle because it's like oh well if it's not really like murder then i guess it's not really a bad sin and god's not gonna punish me for that wrong i mean in scripture it says clearly clearly that sin is going to separate us from god so if you if you go and accept Christ, but then you're still living like the world, I, I would have to ask the question, are you sure that you accepted Christ as your Savior? Because there should be a change in you. You should not be wanting to be like the world or chasing after the world. You should be chasing after him, seeking out who he is and wanting what he wants for you, not chasing after what the world wants for you. That includes every aspect of your life because we've talked about it. How open is your life to God? Have you really allowed him in? Have you really opened the door to him? Does he really have influence in all aspects of your life from your marriage to even if you were dating, your your romantic interests, um, school, work, getting a car, buying a house, moving, what church you go to, what school you should go to? How you should treat people. Like, how involved is God in your life? Because if he's not, then you're basically trying to live out a life the way you think is the right way to live. And you lose sight. Because ultimately what happens is that I honestly believe if you accept Christ, there's going to be a change in you, a desire to want to go after him more. Now, don't take me wrong. Our world and our life and things that happen around us do impact our relationship. And it does cause sometimes a, 
I guess you could say like a drift that kind of separates us from God because we sometimes don't get the discipleship that we're supposed to have. That means, you know, being part of a church is actually teaching you truth and is also trying to help your walk and encourage your walk. I mean, when was the last time that you actually saw people confront somebody for a sin that they're doing that you know is wrong, but you're so afraid to lose them as a friend and nobody says anything? And they allow that sin to, to kind of lead. And then you see people who should not be in leadership who are leading the church while they're living in a sinful lifestyle. You know, most, not in today's culture, the idea of you living with somebody that you're not married to is not necessarily a wrong thing because you love each other. But there's no commitment. There's no connection. There's no vow between you two. So that makes it easy if things were to break up. Oh, well, you know, he can go or I can go. And it works out really well, right? Nobody's the wiser. Nobody gets hurt. But the truth is, you're living together. You know, if you're with a, your girlfriend but not married, no. God's not going to bless that and he's not going to encourage that. And he's not definitely in the scriptures is not saying that's okay. Oh, that's just a lesser sin. No problem. Because I can probably say, how many of you guys can put you, put your hand on and say that you've never had sex with her? I'm sure the majority of you are not going to be raising your hand. You see, we're forgetting the understanding of what the unification between a husband and wife is supposed to be about. And we belittle it. Because if we make a vow of marrying this person, hey, you know, a year later, I don't feel that connection anymore. It's like we, we need a way to be able to get out, and you, you know how messy divorce can be. But then again, also in Scripture, divorce is not encouraged by any means. It should not be the first option. It does not mean it should not happen because there is times where there's nothing you could do to stop it. But at the same time, that should not be the desire of the person who loves God because you understand the, the importance of that value because you know he loves you. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. And the best for you is not you being wishy-washy about your relationship with this person that you're dating. You know, same with you women who, you know, are living with your boyfriends. You shouldn't be living with them. Well, we can't afford living in separate places. Then you find a roommate. Ultimately, we can't make excuses for sin. It's like we keep doing this over and over again. Because remember, he sent his son to die for you for your sins, not so that you could continue to sin. That's not biblical. And yet we see that so much in, in our society, especially in Christians, that, well, is the lesser evil is okay as long as I don't break any of the heavier sins. Nah, that, that's not how it's supposed to be. So you got to understand that loving you is like how our parents are with us. You know, your parents want the best for you. At least you're, you're wanting them to want the best for you, right? So the idea or imagery is that they're not going to allow you to do the bad things, not because they don't think you should have your freedom, not because they just want to ruin your life, but because they don't want you to fall or falter. And Christ wants to do the same thing. God wants you to not fall and falter. But here's the, the catch. If, you, if you're accepting of what Christ did for you, 
there should be a change in you where you don't want to keep doing the same things you've been doing. That there should be this desire to not chase after sin and to follow sin, but to follow Christ. And you want to follow the scriptures and and to to allow them to lead your life. Scripture should be a part of who you are, not just a little part of a section of your life. It should be your life. Your whole innards should be filled with this truth. And that requires you to spend time in God's word. That requires you to learn. You have to study. It's not a magical button. There's nothing that Jesus can do to put in you this suddenly understanding of truth. No, you spend time in God's word. You study this word. Um, you find books that help you grow in the in his word. You go be part of a church so that a pastor or uh, maybe a, a small group study that you're a part of can fill you with his truth so that you have a better understanding of why he loves you. He loves you because he doesn't want you to go to hell for one, but he loves you because he wants you to know who he is and have that relationship with him so he and you can be together. He doesn't want you to suffer penalty of hell he doesn't desire any of us go to hell and sometimes I think we forget that we forget that how much that he loves us that he sent his son to, to take that penalty from us that debt and I just keep seeing where <laughs> A lot of sermons aren't challenging people where they're at in their sin. They're, they're kind of trying to color code it to make it seem nice and okay and basically re- almost like, hey, as long as you don't hurt anybody, you're still walking in God's God's way. And, and even if you do something wrong, just remember that God loves you. <laughs> yes, God loves you because he doesn't want you to do these bad things. So how are you keeping yourself on the right track, walking with the Lord. How are you not falling into the trap of the world? How are you not living like the world? These are questions you should be asking yourself because if you're saying, oh, well, I am, then why aren't you turning from acting a certain way or stopping the sinning that you're doing or figuring out a way to get back on track with him? Because you can't say, you know, hey, you know, well, if COVID's, you know, blah, blah, stopping me from being able to go to church. I'm like, but there's online stuff you can be a part of. There's sermons you can watch online. There is, I'm sure, online small groups that you get a part of. You see, it makes it too easy when we start making excuses of why we're not turning our lives into his control, his ways, and what he wants for us. I want you guys to think about it before we go to this commercial. Are you really walking with God, are you walking with the world? Because remember, if you love God because he loves you, you should be chasing after his worldview, not the cultures. I want you to think about that as we go to this break. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Warrior Within. And today I actually kind of decided that I wanted to talk about how much God loves us. Like as men, sometimes we grow up not really feeling the love that we wanted from our dads. And 
in many, many cases, that correlates into how we love our wife and even how it correlates to how we love our kids. But I wanted to kind of talk about how much God loved us because he did not want us to go to hell for one. And two, he wants that relationship that, that he longs from us. And it's, it's our choice to give it to him. Now, we all know that what John 3.16 states, but I wanted to go a little bit further. I'm starting in John 3.16, but we're going to go all the way to verse 21. It states, for God loved this world, excuse me, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned. Because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Now, a lot of times we only focus on verse 16. That's usually when you're a kid, you memorize it. All, a lot of people grow up and they still know that even if they have not been in church, it's usually the verse that stands out. And usually it's in the KJV when they learned it. I'm actually using today the CSB, which is why I messed up, because it's a little different in that beginning of verse 16. But the idea is that he sent his son for us, all of us. That means all sin from past to be to, to now in our future was all put on Christ in that moment when he was on the cross. God understood, and, and if you were to take the scriptures as a whole, looking through the context of all the different stories to what God was trying to teach us, the idea of what Christ did has always been a part of the plan, especially when you look at how Adam and Eve, after they sinned, what did God do after he called out to them? They did answer. They confessed what they did wrong, but they did not repent of it. And so he had to kill animals and make skins for them so that they would not be naked anymore. You see, the idea is that right there in that moment, there, the whole idea that there would have to be a sacrifice for our sins was already established in that moment. And if we keep going throughout the scriptures, we could see it over and over again. Like if another good example is Noah's Ark. The idea that the Ark was created by God to save Noah and his family, right? And then the animals, right? So we take that imagery, we understand what that means. Because it's supposed to be the picture of who Christ is. He saves us from the sin, which is the punishment, which what happened to the world, which was the great flood, right? Now we got to look at that picture and understand that that's the image of what Christ did when he came. He came 
and was the basically a, the perfect design remember god gave noah the perfect design for this ark for all the people that were gonna have to be in there plus the animals and i'm sure for the supplies and you know so forth right so the imagery we see once again is a savior or some type of saving device and then we have i'm sure if we were to nitpick all through all the stories we could find different points where God puts someone in position like Esther specifically in the purpose to save his people. It's, it's, it's an ongoing imagery that our sin nature without God is going to separate us and death is always the answer. And then we get all the way to where Jesus comes. You know, most of the Jews in that time were hoping for some warrior hero to come in and save them. But the reality is he was there to save everyone, the world from the sin that separates us from God. You see the idea of these verses when you read them is that we rather, we rather be in darkness so that we can do evil things. That is our nature. And ultimately, if you don't know Christ, you're going to hate the light. You're not going to like God. You're not going to like what Jesus has said. You're not going to like the idea that sin is wrong. Because we live in a culture where it's so hugely focused on as long as I don't hurt anybody, then it shouldn't be considered wrong. As long as we both consent, it should not be wrong. We People mock the idea of sin. We, we soften it. We make the blow of sin feel like it's getting hit by a balloon and then it loses its fizzle because it's like oh well if it's not really like murder then i guess it's not really a bad sin and god's not going to punish me for that wrong i mean in scripture it says clearly clearly that sin is going to separate us from god so if you if you go and accept christ but then you're still living like the world i i would have to ask the question are you sure that you accept a christ as your savior because there should be a change in you you should not be wanting to be like the world or chasing after the world you should be chasing after him seeking out who he is and wanting what he wants for you not chasing after what the world wants for you that includes every aspect of your life because we've talked about it. How open is your life to God? Have you really allowed him in? Have you really opened the door to him? Does he really have influence in all aspects of your life from your marriage to even if you were dating, your your romantic interests, um, school, work, getting a car, buying a house, moving, what church you go to, what school you should go to? How you should treat people like how involved is God in your life because if he's not then you're basically trying to live out a life the way you think is the right way to live and you lose sight because ultimately what happens is that I honestly believe if you accept Christ there's going to be a change in you a desire to want to go after him more now don't take me wrong our world and our life and things that happen around us do impact our relationship. And it does cause sometimes, a, I guess you could say, like a drift that kind of separates us from God because we sometimes don't get the discipleship that we're supposed to have. That means, you know, being part of a church is actually teaching you truth and is also trying to help your walk and encourage your walk. 
I mean, when was the last time that you actually saw people confront somebody for a sin that they're doing that you know is wrong, but you're so afraid to lose them as a friend and nobody says anything and they allow that sin to, to kind of lead. And then you see people who should not be in leadership who are leading the church while they're living in a sinful lifestyle. You know, most, not in today's culture, the idea of you living with somebody that you're not married to is not necessarily a wrong thing because you love each other, but there's no commitment. There's no connection. There's no vow between you two. So that makes it easy if things were to break up. Oh, well, you know, he can go or I can go and it works out really well, right? Nobody's the wiser. Nobody gets hurt. But the truth is you're living together. You know, if you're with a, your girlfriend, but not married, no, God's not going to bless that and he's not going to encourage that and he's not definitely in the scriptures is not saying that's okay oh that's just a lesser sin no problem because i can probably say how many of you guys can put you put your hand on and say that you've never had sex with her i'm sure the majority of you are not going to be raising your hand you see we're forgetting the understanding of what the unification between a husband and wife is supposed to be about and we belittle it because if we make a vow of marrying this person, Hey, you know, a year later, I don't feel that connection anymore. It's like, we, we need a way to be able to get out and you, you know how messy divorce can be. But then again, also in scripture, divorce is not encouraged by any means. It should not be the first option. It does not mean it should not happen because there is times where there's nothing you could do to stop it. But at the same time, that should not be the desire of the person who loves God because you understand the, the importance of that value because you know he loves you. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. And the best for you is not you being wishy-washy about your relationship with this person that you're dating. You know, same with you women who, you know, are living with your boyfriends. You shouldn't be living with them. Well, we can't afford living in separate places. Then you find a roommate. Ultimately, we can't make excuses for sin. It's like we keep doing this over and over again. Because remember, he sent his son to die for you for your sins, not so that you could continue to sin. That's not biblical. And yet we see that so much in, in our society, especially in Christians, that, well, is the lesser evil is okay as long as I don't break any of the heavier sins. Nah, that, that's not how it's supposed to be. So you got to understand that loving you is like how our parents are with us. You know, your parents want the best for you. At least you're, you're wanting them to want the best for you, right? So the idea or imagery is that they're not going to allow you to do the bad things, not because they don't think you should have your freedom, not because they just want to ruin your life, but because they don't want you to fall or falter. And Christ wants to do the same thing. God wants you to not fall and falter. But here's the, the catch. If, you, if you're accepting of what Christ did for you, there should be a change in you where you don't want to keep doing the same things you've been doing. That there should be this desire to not chase after sin and to follow sin, but to follow Christ. And you want to follow the scriptures and, and to, to allow them to lead your life. 
scripture should be a part of who you are, not just a little part of a section of your life. It should be your life. You, your whole innards should be filled with this truth. And that requires you to spend time in God's word. That requires you to learn. You have to study. It's not a magical button. There's nothing that Jesus can do to put into you this suddenly understanding of truth. No, you spend time in God's word. You study this word. Um, you find books that help you grow in the in his word. You go be part of a church so that a pastor or uh, maybe a, a small group study that you're a part of can fill you with his truth so that you have a better understanding of why he loves you. He loves you because he doesn't want you to go to hell for one, but he loves you because he wants you to know who he is and have that relationship with him so he and you can be together. He doesn't want you to suffer penalty of hell he doesn't desire any of us to go to hell and sometimes I think we forget that we forget that how much that he loves us that he sent his son to, to take that penalty from us that debt and I just keep seeing where <laughs> A lot of sermons aren't challenging people where they're at in their sin. They're, they're kind of trying to color code it to make it seem nice and okay. And basically almost like, hey, as long as you don't hurt anybody, you're still walking in God's, God's way. And, and even if you do something wrong, just remember that God loves you. <laughs> yes, God loves you because he doesn't want you to do these bad things. So how are you keeping yourself on the right track, walking with the Lord. How are you not falling into the trap of the world? How are you not living like the world? These are questions you should be asking yourself because if you're saying, oh, well, I am, then why aren't you turning from acting a certain way or stopping the sinning that you're doing or figuring out a way to get back on track with him? Because you can't say, you know, hey, you know, well, if COVID's, you know, blah, blah, stopping me from being able to go to church. I'm like, but there's online stuff you can be a part of. There's sermons you can watch online. There is, I'm sure, online small groups that you get a part of. You see, it makes it too easy when we start making excuses of why we're not turning our lives into his control, his ways, and what he wants for us. I want you guys to think about it before we go to this commercial. Are you really walking with God, are you walking with the world? Because remember, if you love God because he loves you, you should be chasing after his worldview, not the cultures. I want you to think about that as we go to this break.